playing Mario Kart on stage with rappers, making Pokemon onesies stylish and dapper. From music to poker to games, many ways he gets paid. He is the man behind the mosh pits that were made. Interviewed, DJing, playing, editing, he does it all in the lab. He's even part of the reason I stay losing with the Octocrab. Man, always show love even if you can't rap or sing. Could be seen at any moment chopping it up with the Casino King. Around him, you'll always feel warm, appreciated. That's a big clue. I don't know if y'all know, but I love you. So how'd you uh how'd you meet Damien there? Uh, I you honestly I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I remember him posting some shit though, and like I sent him some words of encouragement because he was like being hard on himself in a story or something, and I like yeah. I remember our initial conversation was like, "Yo, bro, there's not a lot of us in this industry. Like, keep your head up, fucking, you know, post more content, you know." Somewhere along those lines, I said some deep shit though. I forgot. <laughs> I, said, I said some deep shit though, and like I've been just keeping tabs on him since. And oh yeah. Hon- honestly, he's been doing so much better since. Since then, he's just going after everything. And I, fu- I, fu- I fuck with showing love, and I fuck with um, you know, people who work hard getting getting good shit back. Hell yeah! I love to see it. Yeah, Damon's been crushing lately. Fucking. I mean, the last two tournaments he placed, I think he was top I'm 20. Waiting. I'm waiting for him and ACR to square up. Yeah. They're going to fight. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I, I was hoping he would go deep in the uh, in that venom there. Yeah, I just like the whole, you know, yeah, get these dickheads out of here. Next video, fuck ACR, nigga. This shit's this <laughs> fucking stupid ass platform. I'm never getting on this shit next day. All right, we back on ACR. Bro, <laughs> right, bro, you fucking cracked me up. Yo, that is Damien in a fucking nutshell. That shit is hilarious, and yeah. it's funny because it translates to the real world too. It's not even just like how he oh, is for so sure, much. for sure. I already know that's how he runs twenty four seven. Yeah, we went to Vegas. Uh, it was like the it was like the theme of Vegas there, man. It's hilarious. But, yeah, uh, no. Nah, yeah. I don't want to ask you too many questions before uh, Damien gets out. I mean, we are recording, but... It's all good. You know, I've been doing interviews since I was, like, 19. I was going to say, yeah, you're an OG. Uh, How old are I'm you? Always, I'm, I'm 34 now. Okay, so same I'm age. I'm always like, yeah, you know. And when every time somebody says, let's do an interview, I'm like, yeah, get your research ready, bro. <laughs> yeah. That was, uh, yo, to be honest, I, I was doing research. I mean, I got a nine to five, but I was doing research pretty much all day trying to, you know, learn about you and stuff. And uh, I could not find your real name. <laughs> is Kiero your That's real good. name or is that like an alias? That's what's up. <laughs> That's how it should be. Oh, it's exactly good, how it should be. <laughs> I remember uh, I, I, a quick story before we get started. I was playing at MGM my last Vegas trip. I play there a lot. 
uh, the floor and them love me. You know, I'm really nice. After I film an episode of, uh, you know, Bally's Poker, uh, it's just a walk across the bridge from Tropicana. So uh, I'm sitting at a table. I usually go to MGM not to try to make a bunch of money, just to socialize and have a good time because it's a very relaxed environment. And this white lady, uh, fat white lady sits down and uh, she's like very loud, very talkative. So I'm trying to make conversation with her. And uh, she's just like, you know, she don't fuck with me. I could tell. And um, I'm just asking her questions. And she's like, yeah, I don't get my room till 3 p.m. So I'm going to play through the night. I was like, oh, man, I wish you well. Uh, you know, get some rest. She goes, I've been up for five days. I was like, damn. She was like, well, I've had a 45 minute nap. That's it. I was like, oh, uh, you, you take Adderall? She was like, no. She, I was like, oh, so you do cocaine. And she was just like. <laughs> No, I was like, you on meth? And she goes, I'm too fat to be on meth. I was like, bitch, I don't know when you started. I don't say bitch, but I was like, I don't know when the fuck you started <laughs> taking it. Mind you, she told me like as I was just trying to make normal conversation with her, she goes, you're not gonna be able to out talk me, so just give up. And I was yeah. like, ma'am, I'm just trying to make conversation. You seem cool, you know. I'm just making conversation. I don't mean no offense. She goes, just stop talking to me because you're not gonna win this battle. And in the inside of my head, I was like, bitch, you have no idea who the fuck I am. Like I, I I do this for a living. Four minutes. I'll skip the details after the whole cocaine thing and all that stuff. She got her a table change immediately, mm. and I'm like, as she's walking away, I was like, I win this battle, and like stared yes. her. And, <laughs> stared, I stared. I stared her in the soul. She was like, you didn't win anything. I was like, you're not on my table anymore, and I was like, and you're taking a walk of shame. So go ahead, get those steps in. <laughs> and uh, a couple hours go by. She on another table. My table ends up breaking, and there's an open. I'm gonna cash out. There's an open seat at her table and I just stand by it. I don't even sit down. I just stand by it. She looks at me. She goes, you can't sit here. I was like, you don't own the MGM, ma'am. She goes, that's it. She gets up. She goes up to the floor table, the, the front desk. And she's like, I want him escorted off the property. I don't want him at my table. And like the dude was like, ma'am, he's, he's not playing right now. And she goes, I don't give a shit. I want him off the property. And I was like, why don't you shut your racist Karen ass up? Right. And like, yeah. She and she proceeds to lose her fucking mind, like wow. loses her mind, and she starts screaming and everything. And I'm just standing there, and the whole floor is looking. There's like 12 tables running. They're all stopped playing and just are watching. And I was like, Karen's being Karen's, and she just loses it. Another like she goes into sixth gear of losing it, and she's like, I want his name, and I want it now. And the floor lady's like, Ma'am, I don't even know his name. And she was like, you're just backing him up because you know him. She goes, ma'am, I really don't know his name. I'm looking at her. I was like, you only know me as Cairo. You don't know anything else. Like, you know what I mean? We've never had that conversation. So she's not lying. The floor is like, ma'am, if you don't stop causing a commotion, like you're, you're going to be done playing here tonight. She goes, fuck you to the floor man. And he goes, all right, that's it. He starts picking up her chips and putting them in a rack. And she goes over there and she mushes the rack back down. She goes, don't touch my money. And he goes, now you're the one that's going to be escorted off the property and they start escorting her off the property four security guards pull up and i'm just still standing there smiling i'm just like nah 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 nah, nah. <laughs> and she's like do you hear him do you hear him i'm like hey 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 goodbye and she's like turning around and security's yanking her arm i was like ma'am enjoy being homeless till 3 p.m Cause she ain't got no room till 3 p.m. Oh, the, the floor lady looks at me. She's like, Kyra, are you done? I was like, I'm going to my room now. I'm done. Thank you so much. I tipped the floor some money. And um, 
I walk back to my room. I lay my head on the pillow. I'm like, fuck that, Karen. You know, it's like, I, that was probably my best victory in Vegas ever. It wasn't even money. It was just beating that and letting that lady hang herself. It was the best. I wish I was there to see it. Bruh, every time I went back to the room the next day and they're like, there's the guy. That's the guy that got the lady to fucking kick herself out. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> these Karens. That's funny as shit. She's like, he's calling me a derogatory name. I was like, man, if you look up derogatory in the dictionary, that's not a derogatory term. What, mm-hmm. Karen? Karen. Yeah, I, I do find that they, they, they know what that means now, and they are taking very offensive. Bro, they, it, I told this story on Twitter, and they were like, <laughs> there was white ladies and people replying to me, and I was like, bro, like, I don't just call white women Karen. I call people who act like that Karen. Right. And they're like, no, you don't. And I was like, I have a whole video of me pranking my other homie, Casino King, where I'm like, he goes full Karen. And the title of the video is like, Casino King goes full Karen on the front desk. And I was like, yo, here's the proof. Like, I posted this months ago. Like, it's funny. I like to call my, when my girls being a Karen, I call her Sharon's. Sometimes oh. she. Sharon! Sharon! <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne. Look at it. Well, welcome to the podcast, to the Poker and White podcast, sir. We appreciate you coming on. I was a little bit late, a little bit late, but Tony, recording? Yeah, we go. All right, cool. So I'll do an intro, Tony. So today, our guy, he's repping, ignition, bad beats here got me tripping. Nah, let me stop playing. Let me do a little. <laughs> playing Mario Kart on stage with rappers, making Pokemon onesies stylish and dapper, from music to poker to games, many ways he gets paid. He's the man behind the mosh pits that were made. Interviewing, DJing, playing, editing. He does it all in the lab. He's even part of the reason I stay losing with the Octa crap. Man, yeah. always show love even if you can't rap or sing. Could be seen at any moment chopping it up with the casino king. Around him, you'll always feel warm, appreciated. That's a big clue. I don't know if y'all know, but never forget. Power loves you. you. Hell yeah, that was fire, fire bars to kick off the interview. Hell yeah. Come on, son. That's Those are fire bars. This man came with a 16 for an interview. This is lit. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's why I was a little bit late. I had to do a little bit. Like, I already follow you. I already support you. You know, I always show love, but I wanted to make sure we kicked the interview I off. I was for sure clipping that to a beat. Hey. Hell, hell yeah. Speaking of beats, let's jump right into it for the very first question. Like, you do everything. When I say everything, you do everything from the music side of things, from the playing side of things, from the editing side of things, the interview side of things. Like, do you make beats as well? Yeah, I mean, I got, like, uh, you know, a lot of beats tucked away. They've never been released. Some have, some haven't. Um, You know, I come from DJing. Uh, that was where I spent a majority of my career uh, pursuing in the music industry, uh, DJing all type of events to start and, you know, progressed into doing concerts full time. And, you know, when you're on the road, you got the MPC or something, you know, chop up some beats. I like sampling stuff and remixing songs. And, you know, I, I haven't done that in a while, but, you know, I still I still get down. Yeah. When did you start DJing? Um, you know, I started interning at a radio station when I was like 19 and, um, 
I was hosting events. I, I did a lot of MC work on the mic. Very publicly comfortable of talking in front of people ever since I was in elementary school. And, um, you know, doing the radio events and all that stuff. I started doing uh, club and bar events and stuff like that. And I realized the MC got paid a certain amount and the DJ for bringing the equipment got like three times that. And I was like, you know, I've, I've always, you know, idolized Jam Master Jay and all these other DJs when I was a kid. I read their books and I was like, you know, I always wanted to DJ. So I would trade my older mentors in uh, my DJ career uh, to teach me how to DJ and I would MC for them at their DJ gigs. And um, so that was like around when I was like 20, 21. And then, uh, yeah, caught fire with that. Learned how to DJ open format, meaning I could DJ any genre to any audience. And um, the bars, clubs, private parties, weddings, uh, pizza, pizza, pizza shops, clothing stores, uh, you name it. I, I've done it. And then eventually I found out doing concerts was my was my my lane and um, started DJing concerts, ended up on tour, doing a bunch of stuff with that. And then, um, yeah, I just just found my love for uh, entertaining an audience. And I had that combination skill of, you know, talking on the mic and playing the record. So it was a good uh, it was a good match made in heaven. Facts, yeah, I can tell, man. I went and looked at a few of your videos. I'm like, this guy is fucking amazing. He does it all. Uh, I've, I've like, um, in the background of things with a lot of the artists I worked with, uh, helped them, you know, come up with bars or like writing or beat selection or, you know. But my main focus in the music industry was I'm a performing artist. I'm not a recording artist. So that's like usually the best way to describe it. Like. When it comes time to perform a song, call Cairo. Like yeah. when it comes time to record a song, I usually try to stay up out the studio um, because it's it's not my forte. Like I can, but it's just like, nah. My, my main skill was performing it. I always tell people, I was like, you can find your favorite artists and their best track and I could, I could uh, perform it better than them in my DJ set. You know, I just bring a lot of fucking energy on stage, so, but. Um, you know, I was always freestyling. I used to host open mics when I was in college. And, uh, curating the event was usually my my best skill set. But going to the studio for some reason, I was never uh, catching that energy the same way as it was in front of being in front of people. Yeah, I seen all the mosh pit type videos. You going crazy with your hair all over the place? That was pretty awesome. Yeah, I started off uh, working at a rock station when I was interning. So. Yeah. I took a lot of that metal and rock energy and then, you know, combined it with all my other favorite genres and doing rap shows. It was just like, yo, open, open up the pit. Like, let's get to this so what, aggression now. What's your favorite genre? I guess I know you can do it all. Oh, for sure. Hip hop. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but I mean, I, I listened to, uh, you know, my first cassette tape I ever owned was Boys to Men. I was like okay. four, four or five years old. So I was a heartthrob. Cairo loves okay. you. When I was a child, I'd just go around all the family events singing, um, bending knee and you know Casey and Jojo and like all that stuff but all my life a little bit of all my life yeah all my li I, I was that kid um you know calling in on the radio station Art LeBeau putting in a song request and um you know I have a respect for all genres like of music um uh, but when it comes to DJing you know I like taking a little bit of this mixing it with that you know you'll get some uh you get some like hard music mixed with some soft music, or you might just get some like 
you know spanish or arabic music mixed with some fucking some young thug out of nowhere or like you know what i mean just like blending blending uh energies into something that makes a lot of sense yeah and i i think even like what you said um like i'm jamaican so like blending is like something heavy into like jamaican culture tony's jamaican forgive me if i'm wrong are you egyptian or tell me a little bit about like yeah yeah i'm full egyptian everybody thinks i'm jamaican i'm light-skinned jamaican to everyone else but uh my parents are from egypt i'm born and raised in california and uh to everyone else i'm like some mixed mixed breed of of race race yeah but now i'm actually just 100 egyptian and um you know uh, a lot of people would be shocked to know a lot of people in egypt had the big afros and now a lot of people in egypt got the dreadlocks i always call them the golden locks you know what i mean we've got different you know egyptian cotton is famous but egyptian hair is is uh is up there in quality so tony you got to grow your hair next tony after that speech i got, I need to see you a year from now are you seen i had it in vegas it was like this high and i cut it i was like yeah we're good with this long, <laughs> long hair keeps the superpowers i haven't had a haircut since 2009 wow. man see i gotta ask about the hair journey right like we're i could imagine right so i'm curious what made you start to like grow your hair like for me i didn't even think about growing dreads i did like a halloween costume like and i just like had the hair in i was like yo you know what this is kind of cool it's different so like what made you decide to like really grow your hair the complete honest answer for this is all my created characters in every video game I've ever played had dreadlocks. Like all of them, like all of them always had dreadlocks. That was my go-to pick. And then, um, you know, I tried doing braids and all this other stuff when I was younger and, and you know, I'm tender headed. So none of that worked. That shit hurts. Yeah, that shit hurts a lot. And then um, grew the Afro out. And one day I was just like, yo, I naturally just started twisting them on my own. I always tell people, you know, I used to roll up a lot, so I had sticky fingers. And I used to just take that sticky finger and just twist my hair. And it kind of was a hybrid Afro dreadlock thing. And then one day I got it professionally done and uh, separated and dreaded. And the journey has been going like that ever since. Nah, that's dope. And I, I got to follow up with like, what's like the weirdest question or comment you ever got about your hair? Like, oh, I feel like, like how do you wash it? looks cool. Can I touch it? I'm sure for you, you probably have The number thing. one question is, so you can't wash your hair? I was like, bro, I wash my hair. How do you wash your hair? I was like, with water and <laughs> shampoo. Like, how else would you wash your hair? I've also been playing poker where like in a casino, somebody drunk enough to come up to me and try to touch my hair while, while I'm in a hand. Like wow. while and they'll have a bag of Skittles or something stupid wild in their hand. And I'm like, bro, you know how hard it is to clean my hair. Do not touch my hair. Even when I was DJing, like people in events would try to come up to me and just touch my hair without asking. I would ninja swat hands oh, yeah. all the time because people's hands are filthy. And um, yeah, man. The casino. yeah, people's hands are filthy, bro. I don't want nobody touching my hair. If somebody asks politely and I take a look at their cleanliness rating that I just can, you know, gauge but for most part most part these days you know i don't like no i really don't like nobody touching my hair yeah no cheese doodles on your fingers no Bro, like, like you just don't know if somebody sneeze or something then you know i sleep so my hair touches my face a lot so it's like it's it's, it's cleanliness over everything especially when you have dreadlocks you got to really maintain them and I, I i do spend quite a pretty penny on keeping my hair maintained yeah well, how long does it take to do a retwist for you oh i got the best shout out to locks by t uh, my, my hairstylist, I met her 
uh she was doing hair out of compton i used to drive all the way to compton just to get my hair done people were like you're tripping i was like man apparently the best hair in the world is done in compton and um you know she she used to she used to like put up with me man because i was tender-headed she used to have to rip my dreads apart basically to like separate them and everything now me and her are solid she's like the best loctician in america that's my honest opinion uh unbiased opinion because like literally the best of the best dreads get twisted by her so i think i am her client with the longest hair though so but yeah no nah, man i drop bread on my hair Nah, I could imagine. Like when I used to live in um Texas, I had I went to someone that used to like do Lil Wayne's um dress when he first started. So it's like she that notoriety. When you get someone with like the godly hands that could do it, but do it fast, it's definitely like um something rare. So shout oh, out. Oh yeah, to she knocks mine out in two hours. It would take anyone else six hours to do my hair. Like wow. she she's 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 got she's the only person allowed to do my hair. I've had different people come up to me and like, oh you gotta let me do your hair you got you know i'll charge you i'll do a better price i'm like bro i have nothing or no concern of you touching my hair ever in my lifetime so like you know she she's she's got me for life i don't care if her prices get quadrupled and you know inflation she's they've been going up but she's the only person allowed to do my hair i don't even trust myself doing my hair like bro like i don't go to her so you mentioned you mentioned your favorite characters in video games who who other than Eddie Gordo had uh dreads? Bro, all my Madden characters. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, all my yeah. Madden characters, my NBA Street players. NBA Street. Uh, you know, uh EA Virtual Fighter EA had that um dude too in Virtual Fighter. I forgot his name with the dreads going back. Yep. I hated Virtual Fighter. I can't even front. It gave me motion sickness. I ain't mess with that game. Yeah, the, I was a street I was a Street Fighter kid. I was totally a Street Fighter kid. Yeah. Um, but you know, this you know, it's like for us in our culture and everything, like we already know Dragon Ball Z, like Super Saiyans didn't have dreads, but we felt like Super Saiyan 3 were dreads. Like, yeah, so, so like when my hair passed my shoulders, I was like, yeah, Super Saiyan 3 unlocked. Like, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's, it's kind of stuff like that, but it was more so me creating my characters, even my Nintendo Switch or Wii characters had dreads. Since we're on Super Saiyan and all this stuff, I saw that that uh, merch you did with the Mew and the Super Saiyan. That shit looked. Oh yeah, Super Saiyan three Mew. So yeah, yeah. I like I like uh, you know, I went to school for art, uh, oh. graphic design. I did merch design through college for like a lot of artists and uh, events and companies. But my own personal stuff was always like it's like DJing, man. I like taking one thing, mixing it with the other. So like I'll take Pokemon, mix it with Dragon Ball, and, like. It just hits. It just hits different. So I wish I could show you. I wish I had one. Actually, I really don't. Because so we used to do this, me and Damien, how me and Damien met was through another company that we both were quote unquote employed with. And it was there it was called Brokefish and we made these things called Pokemon cards. You ever Yeah, heard of no, them? he sent me those. I okay. remember him sending me those with like, you know, they had Helmuth and Negranu and Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm all about that stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. uh my Pokemon card collection is behind this green screen. I, I don't want to feel like moving it, but like, I got, I got I got a crazy Pokemon collection, bro. Like, especially during COVID, like I was opening up packs on Twitch, uh, and uh, yeah, we went crazy, bro. Like, I did my own custom cards for myself of my my characters, um, and I printed those too. But the the, the Pokemon cards go crazy. They do. Oh, we ran into hey, we got we got to potentially get you one. Like, yeah, the Ivy card is crazy bro it 
yeah, that's the little icon I use. But one of the things I think that made the project so dope was just the different abilities that um, Joe was like the creator of that project. But once crypto went down, we kind of like fell back from it. But yo, do you have like a picture or anything? Like send that to us so we could see what like what your character looked like also. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, I got I got the merch. Um, do I got anything right here at the desk? Hold on, let me see. If, if not, you send it to us after. But um, yeah, I just thought that. So the reason why I asked you this question: Are you able to? And I don't want to get you in trouble, but are you able to do like sell that merch? With bro, I sell cool- all my shit, bro. Like <laughs> if you go on Etsy and you see all this stuff sold, like bro. I, I mean, I always say this, like man, like um, I've did a lot of merch designs. I did stuff for Bone Thugs and Harmony. I did stuff for EDC. I did uh, stuff where it's kind of on the borderline parody, if not full on parody. But like, I remember I did a design for um, Bone Thugs. I replicated the Swisher Sweet logo and mixed it with the Bone Thugs logo. And I I presented Flesh and Bone and Lazy Bone with the design. And I was like, hey, this is a banger. I've been around y'all for months. All y'all smoke are Swishers, right? And yeah, it was that crest right there in the middle. And um, I was like, y'all gotta, y'all gotta sell this. And one of the questions was asked, like, we gonna get sued for this? I was like, you gonna sell a lot of these shirts physically in person at shows. You know, what you put online is on you. And at the end of the day, you know, if you get sent a cease and desist letter, if I got sent a cease and desist letter, I'm gonna print that out and put that on a shirt and be like, yo, <laughs> Like we selling this, like you smart, yeah. That's 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 a certified stamp. But like, I mean, honestly, like just using the font likeness or anything, as long as you're altering it, like in my opinion, yo, it's art. So like, let it rock. You know, yeah, you those Instagram like- ads all the time, like bro, like people selling Pokemon rugs or you know the starter Pokemon sweaters or whatever, bro. Like it's a hustle, bro. Like. People make Pokemon. The Pokemon media company is number one entertainment company in the world for a reason. Like people gonna eat off of that. I was gonna say even your logo is like a spin on like the Nintendo logo, and that shit is fire. Like yeah. I, watching your hand histories because you got the sound effects, you got the font. Like you kind of like gamify the whole hand history thing, and that's different than like what anybody else is doing right now. So for someone that kind of like um that's kind of how i got my start like i started off playing pokemon tcg like the card game and as i got older that's how like i transitioned from poker to Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh became the thing by like high school and then yeah. from Yu-Gi-Oh, then it's like you're in college and you you gotta make money you can't you can't really pick up too many like shorties playing Yu-Gi-Oh at the table so now i transition to poker like how'd you get into poker i feel like we could talk to you all day about music all day about like um games and everything everything but how'd you like transition to poker uh so like i was always a fan of poker uh when i was a kid like i think junior high probably before even junior high i would stay up late you know what i mean i was just a late night kid and poker after dark would be on and all these uh programs on like espn and different stuff and i was always just a fan of watching it and uh through high school and college like i'd play the little zanga app on you know what i mean the little game i have i've been playing that's for, for over a decade and um you know i played with friends in college we do a little sit and go tournaments and uh we never really did cash games at that point but um uh i never like yeah i never went to the casino never really went to like a home cash game or anything like that 
it was just always something I did for fun. Even on tour, I just played the game on uh, my app on my phone. But um, after COVID, you know, what I mean, my DJ career kind of slowed down and I was just doing um, podcasting for a long time. And uh, long, longest story short, I was just unhappy with doing that every day. I was doing it five days a week. And one at one point I was like, I'm done doing this. And I really took a couple steps back and I was like, what's left on your bucket list, bro? Like you're in your 30s now, like you don't really did everything you wanted in your 20s that you thought was possible. Like with my music career, DJing, traveling, everything is really like narrowed down, like like what's left. And um, I had two things on the top of my list. And it was one was be a treasure hunter. If I had all the money in the world, I'd be hunting treasure. You know what I mean? Going on expeditions and stuff and just like looking for treasure. And the next best thing was poker. And uh, poker is kind of like treasure hunting. Um, I'm very competitive. Like I'm super competitive, especially when it came to gaming or anything. Like I was always full send. Anything creative or anything I'm passionate about, I'm like, I'm not trying to just be neck deep. I'm trying to be like right to that line right before you don't have no air above your nostrils. Like that's how deep I want to get into stuff. So um, I uh, went and played uh, my, I was playing online. I was playing on ACR. Uh, some tournaments for a few months and I like won like three tournaments and I I, ca or I cashed like a couple of them but I got a first place in one of them and I was like oh shit I know what I'm doing like you know what I mean like okay I kind of know what I'm doing and I went and played a, a 510 cash game private game out in LA you, you jumped I, skip, I skipped one game. two I skipped two three I skipped five five uh, I had a, <laughs> uh, I really had my back kind of against the wall at that moment in my life because I had just paid all my bills I quit my job and it was like, you know, after everything was all said and done, I had less than like two grand in the bank. And I took 400 and went to go play this cash game. Lost it. In an How hour. Soon? How soon? Hour. Hour of sitting down, lost the 400 because I was nervous. Handshaking, you know, trying to touch the chips. Spaghetti. Dude, spaghetti. Mom was spaghetti for sure. And <laughs> uh, I left. I actually left. I drove home 20 minutes. I went to the bathroom, took that fear dump. You know what I mean? I was just so scared. You get that dump out of my system. I came back to the living room and I was just kind of like, bro, you could have played this better. You could have did this better. I flipped the coin. Heads, I go back. Tails, I stay home. Landed on heads, grabbed another 400, went back to the game. Dale, let's go. Tripled up firsthand. And then sun run into like 3,600 in a couple of hours, like five hours. And it, that feeling of accomplishment was so real. I was just like, yeah, this is what we're doing. And this was back in, what are we in November? So this is about a year and a half ago. I played my first cash game. And, you know, uh, I fell in love. I really did fall in love. Like, I was just like, yeah, you know, I've definitely had some bumps and bruises since. But after a few months of playing, it was um, kind of like, common sense for me to kind of translate my media skills that I've already developed for most of my life into this. And, you know, I watch poker streams all the time, watching Hustler, watching uh, Live at the Bike, watching everything on the internet. You can imagine that had to do with poker. I watched it. TV shows. And um, I was streaming on Twitch uh, playing, but I couldn't really stream me playing live. Um, and then I found a, a home game uh, I won't say the name of it because fuck them. And uh, they were streaming a 2-3 game and a low stakes game out here in LA at a house, like a private game with the RFID and everything. 
I played one game. I came back the next week, commentated, started. I became the official commentator for that show. And um, I think that was like my my uh, my practice grounds for my commentary skills. Uh, found out that they were a very shady game because poker is a very, uh, you know, it's a very fucking fucked up. A lot of cutthroat shit could happen with it. Money yeah, 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 you find out. You're like, man, this shit is grimy. And, I mean, it's... Uh, that RFID and home game, I raised a red flag. I'm like, uh, yeah, man, it wasn't necessarily the technology. It was just the operators. And yeah. uh, so I quit that. I walked out on that job a week later, live at the bike gaming audition. And I became the announcer there. Yeah. And that really kind of like elevated my game. And that was at the same time I started working for uh, Eric Person, uh, doing all his content and stuff. And it's kind of like everything just fell together a year ago from now like a little bit of a week or two a year a year and a week uh from today and i just kind of like never took my foot off the gas and or applied anything on the brakes and just kind of like elevated my my media skills my commentary skills my playing skills uh studying Your i don't study charts but you know studying people i've as a dj i got paid to read the room you know what i mean so i've always just translated those skills into poker and you know, I had to give up smoking weed to do math, but you know what I mean? Like, I know you did it. Come on, I, man. I, w- I went cold turkey without even knowing it. Like, yeah. you know, I went from doing a podcast with Be Real from Cypress Hill for like two years, and I was the weed man in the, in the when everybody needed a DJ for their show or came to LA on tour, they, they called me. Yeah, you would have so plugged. I, I saw that. I was, uh, I would go through like a pound or so a month, just personal use and uh dabbing like crazy and all that stuff but when poker started taking over like my lifestyle like i'd never like the comfort or i never liked the unco- it reminded me of math class in high school or college where i was like it was the one class i couldn't be high in i can't do math while i'm stoned i love I, I got nothing against weed i just can't do math while i'm stoned so i think it was like i don't know like four or five months into playing poker a lot where like one day i just kind of woke up and i was like bro you ain't smoked in like two months mm. unconsciously and I was just like, all right, and just kept playing, kept playing. And I went from doing a pound a month to like, maybe I hit a joint once a month at this point in my life. Wow. And, and when I do, it's just like high school all over again where I'm just, I'm gone. So, but um, sometimes you got to like, I don't want to use the word grow up, but sometimes you got to adapt. And I just right. adapted to my environment. And this made me, I don't, I don't knock anybody from smoking and playing. I encourage it. If you're at my table, smoke all you want. <laughs> you know what I mean? But for me, I like doing pot odds and equity and everything. And, you know, these are the skills that I need to succeed. And, you know, I wouldn't say pay, uh, playing poker pays my bills. My other skill sets pay my bills, but I'm very prideful in, in losing and uh, performing well. So it's just something I naturally pro- uh, progressed away from so I could perform better. I don't like leaks in my game. I don't drink at the table. I don't smoke. The only thing I like to do is talk. There you go. I was just about to say, too, like looking at I think one thing you do really well is your speech play. Like when you go like you're the man when it comes to shorts, like I think one of the hardest things in one minute, like even for us with the podcast, shout out to you, Tony, because you do a lot of the editing for our shorts. Like sometimes to like get enough content in one minute is hard. And I feel like you get your speech play, you get your thought process, you get the hand history, you get the other person. Like, I feel you do an amazing job, not only editing, but I think what um, what your super sane ability is, like you said, that translates well 
is one reading a room and reading the player you have so many videos where you caught someone bluffing or like you made the right read but i think your speech play is top notch and i feel like you get a oh, lot thank you. of people to like play bad against you from your speech play so i'm curious like is that something that you studied is that something you watch and learn from other i people? edit eric person videos every day you know what I mean? Like I literally get paid to study the best table talker and poker's videos. Like you know what I mean? From start R. to finish. Batman. Like, that that I give all props to Eric, bro. I like to talk. Don't get me wrong. I'm a natural shit talker. You know, without coming off like an asshole. You know what I mean? Kyra loves you, but Kyra also tough loves you. I know how to like you know to get inside people's heads. But man, I mean, I, I'm, Eric's my favorite player. That's why I wanted to work with him. Um, he might not have been like the most prominent figure in poker like an Ivy or a Helmuth or an Agrano, who we all have respect for, for their longevity or their careers. But when Eric came on the scene, come on, bro. You can't tell me there was a motherfucker badder than him, like at talking at the table and getting Garrett Adelstein and all these super pros to play bad. Yeah. And, you know, you see me on streams with Casino King and all these guys and, you know, I, and yeah, I know how to read somebody when they're full of shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I also know how to read somebody for strength, but also, you know, people don't know how to get a read on me. I play a very balanced game of strong cards in my favorite hand, eight, three octo crab. Like I'm known for playing bad cards. Like that is my reputation of my range is, you know, is, is not the best cards in the, in the, in the deck, but, um, you know, uh, Casino King once said, he was like, yo, like, you know how to understand what somebody's thinking while they're tanking, you know? And um, I know exactly what to say to throw that tanking off and get paid. And I think it's one of my best skill sets on the table. Hmm. Damien, you kind of missed most of that, but <laughs> he did a good job of answering your question. I don't know what happened there. He could watch the replay. Yeah, yeah I watched the replay, my bad, my laptop <laughs> died. It's all so, good. He know same thing. You watch my content. You know, you know where it is. But like, you know, if I, I I'm very humble enough to say like I learn. I, I take a lot of stuff out of my playbook from Eric's playbook. So yeah, no, it's great, man. I I think I like Damien said. I think the wordplay is awesome. I was uh, I was wondering myself if you you know grab some from Daniel Negrano or somebody. So that's oh good for to sure, you. Tony G Negrano, like all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you don't smoke anymore. So I guess uh, the Dr. Green Thumb podcast, that's no more, I think. No, nah, they're still rocking. Okay. They're okay. still rocking. It just wasn't for me anymore. You gotcha. know, I was in an environment where, you know, uh, I went from watching the podcast and my friend was on the show. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and I would just naturally be like, hey, you need to do this with your Twitch. I'd say certain things in the chat like hey you know you should do this and then i'd be kicking it at the studio i come by dj every now and then and i talk to be real and i'd be like yo hey you know i really like what you're doing but if you did this this would perform much better or like hey if you tried th- you should try this out you know what i mean not telling you what to do but you should try this out and then one time i was just watching the show and he was like yo uh it was like their 100th episode actually i was in the studio while they're filming their 100th episode and like the stream started lagging and I ran up to the computer and I kind of pushed the operator out of the way. I was like, bro, and I fixed the problem. I was like, not, not trying to tell you what to do, but move, nigga. Like, <laughs> like you're going to fuck up this whole show. And I saved the episode. And he gave me a job on the spot. And Let's go. Um, yeah. You know, he was like, yo, I'll pay you to run all my shit, bro. And I was like, yeah. And then eventually I became a co-host. And, you know, he let me do the uh, B-Real TV gaming 
and uh, I started a discord and really elevated stuff there. But, you know, eventually, you know, in life, you know, I'm getting older, bro. When you realize you hit the ceiling when you're at somewhere, no matter how much you love your job or what you're doing, if you if you realize like this is as far as they're going to let me go, it's time to walk. So I was out of there. You know, a lot of people who worked there for a long time didn't like how how, how quickly I progressed. So uh, it, when you're in an environment where certain people don't want to see you win, just leave. And uh, that's my probably my biggest advice for people. If you're not uh, celebrated and you feel tolerated, walk away. You know what I mean? Especially for people who you're in an environment where you're the minority. And I'm not just trying to make this a race thing, but like if your like mentality is the minority or your personality is the minority, or let alone if you want to keep it a buck, like you're just you don't look like everybody else there, like and they don't treat you the same, like walk away. But I got nothing but love and respect for Be Real. Uh, he gave me a lot of opportunities. We're we're still cool, but um you know i just i was doing that podcast five days a week bro monday through friday i was driving i think round trip like 120 miles a day wow in the civic you still got the civic hell yeah bro (laughs) i still rock the civic you know what i mean until i get a gtr we in the Civic. so but yeah i was living i was living in the inland empire it's east of la i was driving every day hour to work two hours back in traffic Monday through Friday for two years straight, and uh, I just couldn't do it no more, bro. Nah, that's a lot of love and commitment. So let me at least ask you like this: like with a commute like that and being a DJ, you gotta have like a love or a passion for music. So one of the things that I love to like ask players, like I don't think I've ever seen you with headphones at a table. I don't know if it's because you're recording content or what. But do you ever like listen to music while you play? If yes, like do you listen to podcasts? Do you watch TVs? What do you do at the table? So look, I host games. You know this. I host games. Mm-hmm. My number one rule when I started hosting games at the casino was I was like, y'all gotta let me make the rules at the table. They're like, all right. What rules do you want? No headphones. Mm-hmm. Nothing here with, in the game. Come in here with the over the over the ear headphone grinder sunglasses hoodies, bro. I do not want to play with you. Like, I don't like I respect your grind. I respect your hustle. Go to the other public tables, bro. My 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 games are meant to be social and uh, community based. Now, the origins of poker were very community based groups. You know, what I mean, like a lot of these private games in Vegas from Doyle to uh, Phil Ivy and all these. There's just was a very core group of people that, you know, it was like family. You know what I mean? Like we all put our bread on the table and we'll chop it up together. You know, playing public games is cool and all. Like if I go to a casino and I sit down at a public game and somebody has headphones, I usually just don't shoot you action. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I'll open fold tens in front of you when you race. I'll just be like, nah, not me. Take off them headphones, start talking. If you can't (laughs) let me have my edge, I'm not even gonna front. I'll let the cat out the bag. If you ain't gonna give me my edge, which is talking, we're done. Like. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not playing you on your level. You're going to play me on my level. But also, like, when people wear headphones, I'll usually just say some crazy shit. Like, I'll just be like, hey, did you wash your ass today? And, like, they'll be like, huh? Huh? (laughs) I'm like, nah, just checking. Like, you know what I mean? Go back to doing you, bro. Like, I just want to see if you can hear me or not. Sometimes people don't even have anything playing. It's part of their game plan. They just want to make you think you can't hear them. You know what I mean? But I'll also ask people, like, bro, you listen to music or podcast you watching youtube like i just take start a conversation naturally when people start sharing their interest they're more inclined to take those headphones off and engage with you and like you Fact. never know i always tell people i go i play poker to make friends i leave with chips 
but I come to make friends. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm never malicious about it, but I just really just don't prefer. Now, when I play these tournaments, these live tournaments, I've learned that I need to have an AirPod in like to calm down my chatter sometimes. Like when I'm on that level Back. of competition, like I like to talk a little too much sometimes. So I listen to like death metal, drill music. <laughs> I listen to, I'll go from Nardo Wick to Lamb of God, bro. Like Slayer. I'm, I need to be in kill mode. Like I need to be in kill mode. Like I can't have feelings here. There needs to be an emotionless gameplay. And I still falter from that and still talk every now and then, but that's probably the only time I'm at a table. You know, and I'm never double headphoned up though. Like people, people share information unknowingly all the time and just how they say things or what they're talking about. And, you know, one day I might teach people what I'm looking for, but for the time being, go ahead and talk to me. What did, what, what did your story say earlier? That was like an atrocious, oh, when somebody, when somebody puts a dollar sign in front of a uh, tournament. <laughs> oh man, I got tore up for that one. I brought, like I, I'm so used to just making cash game content. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that I was really, on you. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, nah, they tore me up, bro. Like YouTube <laughs> and Instagram. So I'm so used to making my hand vlogs or cash games. I recently yeah. played a bigger tournament where I was doing quite well in the tournament. Congrats so on day two, also. Congrats Thank on you, man. Two. I Thank saw you. that. I was like, let me uh, post some of the key moments. You know yeah. what I mean? And you know, I put dollar signs in front of the numbers instead of not putting a dollar sign in front of the numbers and like comments were like you're over here trying to pretend like this is real money i was like bro i'm not yeah. and i was like i said in the beginning of the video i'm playing a tournament they're like nah but why are you putting dollar signs I was like bro because i just don't know how about that <laughs> like i just didn't know yeah. and uh one of my poker buddies he was like yeah i was kind of like privately he texted me he was like yeah that's a real rookie move on your part i was like cool i'm a rookie like i'm cool with that like right. But I also will air you out. Like I'm also with the business. So I went on that same dude's page, went through all his photos, looking at all his pictures. And I'm like, bro, I'm about to hit you at everything that hurts your feelings. <laughs> and I picked the one he's escaped. The guy in this story, uh, skateboarded, okay. you know, he plays poker tournaments professionally, but he also is really enjoying, uh, enjoy skateboarding. I used to work in a skate shop. I grew up skateboarding. I told him he mall grabs his skateboard, which is a very big insult in the skateboard community. Meaning you grab your, when you carry your skateboard, you carry it by the trucks, AKA use a bitch. Oh, I, oh. In, in skate terms, I said, yo, you're not real. You're a poser. Okay. And he immediately like restricted my page. Damn near oh. blocked me. I was like, bro, if you don't, if you can't handle the smoke, he don't even follow me. You just on here leaving a comment just cause. That's like, funny. Yo, I love, I love dishing it back. That's something me and Eric bonded over because people used to go at him and his comments and stuff. And I go to war. I'm like, bro, you ain't got no hairline and your leather jacket's fake, bro. Like, why, <laughs> why are you over here talking? Why, why are you on the internet talking? Uh, my least favorite thing is people who leave comments and their pages are private on right. everything, on, on everything, instance. on everything. I can't say nothing back. But if you give me ammo, oh, I'm, yeah. I don't, I don't try to hurt feelings, but I don't mind doing it. Right. So yeah. talking about skateboarding, I, I did have a question out here. What's the hardest trick that you can do? You can perform on a skateboard. Any more? Nothing. Yeah. I can ollie still. I can nollie. Like oh. I ain't, I ain't flipping the board, bro. I hit my ankle. Oh. I'm out for a week, bro. Like if I, <laughs> you know that Family Guy, like oh, oh. Dog. Yeah. I remember, yeah, a couple. What am I like? It was probably like seven years ago, six years ago. I, I took a bad spill trying to go to the skate park, kicking it with the homies still. And I was just like done for like two weeks. Like not, I couldn't walk straight. Like I just ate shit. And I was just like, you know what? Like 
I'm good. Like, I don't need to do this no more. Like, I'm straight. I still love skateboarding. I still watch it. Shout out to Street League. Shout out to the Nine Club podcast. Uh, shout out to all the homies that still skate and make videos. I still share all their content. But yeah, I, I wasn't blessed with balance in life. Like, I grew up across the street from a skate park. So I grew up skateboarding all the time. But I never once in my life ever had balance. Like, I just I just fell a lot. So what was was the hardest trick that you could do? What could uh, you do? Uh, Nollie heel flip. Okay, heel flip is so heel flip is instead of kick flip when you flick it, you just flick it the opposite way with your heel. Nollie, okay. Nollie is like riding your board backwards, so it's like opposite foot. It's like doing something left-handed. Right. So right. I could I could do a heel flip, and it would take like fifty tries, but I could do it. So, um, yeah, man, I I, I tried dropping in in all the vertical stuff ate shit wasn't for me Same. uh i tried doing stairs and all that stuff wasn't for me uh i tried do, i could do grinds on ledges and stuff but my homies my homies were so good bro like it's kind of one of those things like you know when you play sports in high school and you realize the other people on the team are like light years ahead of you and this ain't for you mm. i learned very young at skateboarding like yo i'm not getting to that point like and i just kind of focused on the art and the graphics and uh I worked at a skate shop. I was good at sales. You know what I mean? I could sell the shit out of a, out of the decks and stuff. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I could put together skateboards really well, but I couldn't. I couldn't flick tricks on command, or I couldn't go down the big set of fifteen stairs like my boys. Yeah. But I was always proud. I, I think honestly, if I could land a three sixty flip once in my life, like I, I, I would cry. Yeah. I yeah. never was. I was never able to land a tray flip. But I mean, on that skater XL, the video games and skate, <laughs> I'm the business. <laughs> Bro, nah, the, the real simulators, like the real simulators, like I entered contests. I was really good. I got my uh, own, pro, I had my own pro decks, everything, like in the game. Like, you know what I mean? It's like people who are really good at 2K, like, yo, I got 99 overall rating. They're like, yeah, but see me on the court. You're like, nah, bro, you're taller than me. Just, you know, I didn't really have it there in real life. But when it comes to like simulations and all that stuff, I'm the business. I'll, I'll play anybody for bread and skater XL. There you go, put the challenge out there. Like, speaking of like playing for bread, have you ever like, entered any like dj contests or any like gaming contests or anything yeah. like that so gaming contest i did you know especially when they used to have those midnight releases for madden i won i won two of those back-to-back -back years you know hey, the, legend, the what they give you for that trophy a jersey free, ga free game free uh store credits and all that stuff free swag but um and i played uh football in high school for a bit and you know i always was i, I mean I guess I'm a gambler, bro. I always was down to put bread on the line for something. You know, FIFA, Madden, Skate, I don't care. Like, Mario Kart. I, I don't gambled with a lot of people on Mario Kart. You know what I mean? I, I won't air anybody out, but, like, there's a couple rappers in Smash Bros. and Mario Kart that done paid for a lot of my DJ equipment, so. Hey, let's go. So, speaking of, let, let's jump to, like, even the rap career, right? Like, I know you were with, you were with Lil Yachty. Yeah, I opened up for him. Yeah, so my, my first uh my first tour, I was a local DJ for the longest, but I opened up for Young Thug and 